Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Why, thank you, Sean. Don't call me Seth Myers. We're getting ready for the Mike Tomlin News Conference. Our friend Pomp is, well, he's buying time is what he's doing right now. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit him at southhillskia.net. And the time right now is 12.01. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Why pay 40% when you can pay 25%? Call 888-98-TWINS. Mike Tomlin Going to let us know about injuries. Will he leave the door ajar for TJ Watt? We'll see. Or will he just say he's definitely out? What about Minka? What kind of Minka do we see this week? If I think he, he says Minka's back. Yeah. That one I feel good about. And then he will be analyzing Mason Rudolph. I don't know. Maybe somebody asks him. I doubt it, though, about the Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter stuff. I doubt that. And he will obviously say, I'm singularly focused on the task or, at hand. Or I don't deal in in, in uh, hypotheticals. hypotheticals. Yes. Uh, he will break down the bills. We know that at the beginning. And, man, that all starts with Josh Allen. And I'll tell you this, as a connoisseur of Bills football, nobody in Josh Allen's career has physically pounded him the way the Steelers did in the – was that the opener a few years ago? Two years ago, yep. That was the season opener, wasn't it? That was the when uh, the out, who was the outside linebacker with TJ? Well, Melvin Ingram yeah, had a big had day. Big yeah. day, right? I couldn't remember what was the first or second game. That was the first game up there. What I remember is them violently beating the crap out of Josh Allen that day, and he did not have a good day. Now I do remember him having a better day last year against the Steelers. <laughs> was it 97 yards or second play, 98 yeah. yards? That was on a sunny, beautiful day where you could throw the football down the field a bit. And listen, even though Mason's uh, the Steelers' best downfield passer, he ain't Josh Allen. Very few are. And if that part of the game is negated by heavy winds, advantage Steelers. So we'll talk about all of this coming up. Mike Tomlin will talk about all of this any minute. About ready to hear. Good afternoon. I am. I wonder what Pomp is talking about. Here we go. Good afternoon. Uh, as always, I'll start with a quick synopsis of our last game. Uh, as I said after the game, I was really proud of the collective. Um, I think there's growth associated with smiling in the face of adversity and rising up and doing what's required uh, in significant moments, in significant venues, in significant games uh, for individuals and for this collective. And so... Um, Big-time benefit, obviously, going into a hostile environment in a must-win circumstance and doing what was required to win. But also um, was really pleased with, you know, our ability to deal with the elemental component of it. The elements were a major factor um, for both teams. Uh, obviously, the ball security was challenging, uh, but it was challenging for both. Um, I just like the general spirit in which the guys played in the face of some of those things and 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 the playmaking uh, that was born out of that spirit of work in spite of some of those things that we outlined. Um, we got the necessary help we needed, obviously. Um, and so now we're in the tournament, man, and we turn our attentions on to this week. From a health perspective, I got a few things to report. Um, 
Mika, um, you know, will be limited at the early portions of the week. We'll let um, the amount of participation and the quality of his participation be our guide. Uh, but we're optimistic about uh, his inclusion. Um, TJ can be characterized as out this week um, with his knee injury. Um, a couple of guys that were battling things at Landon Roberts, man, may be limited at the early portions of the week. And again, we'll let the amount of work and the quality of that work be our guide. Um, as we get a guy like KZ back into the fold, we'll evaluate him from a conditioning perspective and, 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 and define a division of labor for him as we push through the week. And so we got a, a number of those type things uh, to deal with in terms of dividing the labor up won't be an issue, uh, but it is something to push through. Uh, at the quarterback position, we'll stay with Mason Rudolph, uh, much like in the spirit of in which we worked a week ago. Uh, we just simply stand with the hot hand and not disrupting uh, the apple cart. Um, we've been in some tough circumstances. He's delivered. We've delivered. And so we will continue um, in that vein. Um, and, and just in general, um, playoff football for us is about um, utilizing everyone uh, in a helmet and, and being thoughtful and intentional about dividing the labor up to making sure that we're working as a collective to, to lean on our strengths, to, to minimize our weakness in the effort to put our best foot forward. And so um, I can't say enough about that mindset, that perspective, that in, inclusive mindset in terms of all the people that are available to us over the last several weeks. We've talked quite a bit about guys like Miles Jack and Eric Rowe, and, and appropriately so. Um, their contributions have been significant, coupled with the fact that um, they didn't start this journey with us um, or with anybody. In some instances, um, you know, uh, their performances have been even more remarkable. We're thankful for that, um, but we're also thankful for the return of guys and uh, like Mika and like KZ. And so um, if it creates a, long, a log jam in terms of talent, or people available to us, then that is a good problem to have. Uh, it's a better problem to have than some of the issues that we've had in terms of uh, trying to figure out who and, and, and how to play. And so we'll sort through some of those things, man, as we're game planning. Um, you know, we've got familiarity with Buffalo. We've got familiarity with that venue. I'm sure they say similar things about us. Um, it's January football. Um, they have a lot of tape to digest and analyze and to, to prepare for, as do we. And so it's chestnut checkers this time of year. We're really excited about it. I'll, I'll start talking about them first offensively. Um, if you're talking about slowing them down offensively, man, you start first and foremost with Josh Allen, who is just an incredible competitor. Um, they utilize his talents and his competitive spirit very well. Um, that can be displayed by their de design run game and weighty moments, possession down, uh, red zone situational moments. He's got 15 rushing touchdowns on the season. Um, boy, that is something to deal with. Um, and so it's challenging. The, the mathematic or the schematic component of quarterback mobility, particularly from a design run standpoint, is really challenging, especially um, when you have the passing talents that he has and the, and the arsenal of people to spread the ball around to. Um, at running back, they've got really good quality depth. Cook is a 1,000-yard rusher. Fournette has, has brought a little thunder to that lightning uh, in recent weeks. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have our hands full working to try to minimize the things um, that they do in the run game. 
uh, with their collection of backs and Cook being foremost in that. Um, in the passing game, uh, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, Kincaid, Cook, um, they have a lot of options. And uh, Josh Allen does a really nice job of spreading the ball around to those options. Um, you can work to destroy the natural rhythm in which they operate, um, but you know, a strength of his game is ad-libbing and extending plays. And so, you know, certainly we want to throw off the rhythm of the things that it is that they do, but it creates another set of issues for you defensively uh, as he utilizes his talent to, to extend plays and to, and to maybe run, um, to throw. He sees the full field as, he, uh, as plays get extended. It's just a real challenge. And obviously, we've had our challenges, particularly in the interior portions of our defense, um, over the second half of the season as, as attrition has set in, um, in terms of matching up on tight end like bodies, uh, particularly in, in situations. And so, um, they got a formidable tight end tandem, um, that's going to have more of our attention, particularly as we get into the week and start looking at elements of situational play because that's been an issue for us. And if you're not making people settle for field goals in January, you're not going to be in the tournament very long. And so those are some of the things that kind of have our attention on that side. Uh, focusing on Buffalo's defense, um, man, they have unbelievable talent and depth up front. Um, what they've invested in their front um, and, and the quality of that investment is very evident when you watch tape. Um, they had a formidable group, man, going into last summer. They added to that group with Leonard Floyd, and I think he's added ten and a half for them. Um, they did long contract business with Oliver. Um, he's got nine and a half. Some of the other young guys, some of the young edge dynamic guys they've drafted and you're watching them develop in all the appropriate ways and impact games in dynamic ways, whether it's sack, sack fumbles or tip passes. you got to be really careful in terms of the screen game, perimeter passing and so forth. Um, Their dynamic edge group, man, get, get their hands on a lot of balls um, and, and create havoc in that way. Um, and so that has our attention. Obviously, environmentally, um, it has our attention when you're talking about quality rushmen in the front like that. If we get one-dimensional in an environment like that, if we get behind the chains in an environment like that, they have the type of group uh, that can really provide splash. And so we better do a good job of not being highly penalized, not having a lot of negativity in what it is that we do. And those are some of the main ways that you stay on schedule and minimize one-dimensional opportunities for a collective like that. And we better do a really nice job of, of, of doing so. Um, we also just better do a nice job of being thoughtful in, in one-dimensional passing moments to make sure that we're um, not creating an environment where they can provide a wave that the Bills ride. Um, just got a lot of respect for the front. Um, their secondary, they've got awesome continuity, particularly in the interior portions uh, of their secondary. Uh, Johnson, Poirier, and Hyde, man, it seems like they've been back, together, been back there together for over, you know, half a decade or so. Um, that continuity is evident in how they adjust, how they communicate, how they minimize explosion plays in the run and in the pass. Um, they do a nice job of corralling the ball and keeping a lid on it. Um, they're dynamic playmakers, um, blitzers, tacklers, coverage people. Um, Taylor Rapp has been a, an awesome addition 
uh, to him. He's a guy that started capable. They get in dime packages on on possession downs. They play all three of those safeties. Um, dynamic bunch. Um, they lead a turnover culture um, that's displayed in their ball awareness and production in that area. Um, they punch balls out. They rake balls out. Um, they're very ball aware. Um, there's a lot of spot drop zone coverages. Uh, they have vision to break. Uh, they do a nice job of reading and reacting to quarterbacks um, and, and getting multiple people to the action. Uh, they play well as a collective. Um, again, continuity is a component of that. Um, and obviously, um, Sean McDermott's been there for, for a number of years now, and that's kind of displayed in in the high floor, but also just the splash play capabilities uh, within the group as well. And so there's a lot to be excited about from a challenge perspective, um, venue, um, life without TJ, and obviously playing without TJ is significant. Um, but to be quite honest with you, we've played without a lot of people this year. It's just another opportunity for us to strike a blow for team and, and, and to display what team really means, a uh, collective of, of individuals that work together in an effort to produce an outcome. Um, it's not going to be a one-man job in terms of replacing TJ, just like I stood before you and said similar things when Cam Hayward missed a block of games. It is going to be a committed approach. Um, even in doing so, um, we, we better strengthen our, our output in other areas um, because TJ is one of a kind. Uh, but that's ball. There's a nutrition component to it. That's what makes it the ultimate team game. I'm excited about preparing this group, knowing on the front end of this week the resources at our disposal, the manpower, the talents, the amount of time and so forth. And, and now we get an opportunity to prepare and, and lean in on some legitimate action. And so excited about that. Got big days ahead of us. Got a big day ahead of us the rest of the day from a planning perspective. I'll pause and open it up for questions. Mike, what have you seen uh, during these past three games that you'd like that you can carry over or would like to carry over into the postseason? You know, um, just smiling in the face of adversity. There have been some hot moments over the last three weeks. Um, we've essentially kind of been in the playoffs. We, we've known that that's been something that that's been the elephant in the room that we've talked about. And hopefully that that experience uh, shows um, that urgency, that consistency of urgency uh, shows in our play. Mike, in terms of uh, the offseason, even going in throughout the season, you guys added a lot of veteran players over the course of his depth pieces. It's, you've always preached the next man up mentality, but is it different, that mentality different when you know what you're going to get, you have a better idea of what you're going to get out of those veteran guys? I think our mentality has always been the same. There's a fine line between being a backup and a Pro Bowl caliber player at this level. We were talking about it in here last week, you know. Um, what you're looking at is the best of the best, uh, the top of the food chain in this sport. And so I don't think any of us are surprised when someone, given an opportunity, plays and plays well. Mike, that how is your depth different now at outside linebacker than maybe in previous times when you haven't had TJ? Um, you know, it hadn't been a lot of times where I think about not having TJ, to be quite honest with you. Um, but we've got depth at that position. Um, that's why we went out and thoughtfully acquired our Marcus Golden. That's why we drafted Herbick. Um, we're as deep at that position as we've been in some time. We're comfortable with the quality of depth. Uh, Johnson has had a helmet. 
um, for the last number of weeks, although his contributions have been primarily on special teams. There's another guy at the position that knows what to do that's available to us. And so we have an appropriate number of people. We have guys that are capable. We have guys that have been here. We have guys that, that know what to do. Uh, so we're going to utilize all of that. That depth, that committee approach that you referenced in your opening remarks, is that do you lean into those other outside linebackers and the guys up front, or are you potentially going to be able to get more now that you get KZ and potentially Minka back to blitz and be more creative from that aspect of your defense? It'll be a, it'll be a mix of all of the above. As I mentioned, um, you got a few lines in the water when you're trying to impact when you're trying to replace the impact of a guy like TJ. Mike, when you look at Nick Herbig, what has he shown you, especially over the last three weeks, that tells you he's ready for this moment to step in and help out? You know, not a lot defensively. He's just been a core special teams player, but it's beyond the last three weeks. He works every day. Um, he's gotten better over the course of the journey that is the season. Mike, I'm not sure anyone would imagine to start the season Mason Rudolph would be starting a playoff game for you. What stands out about the way he's made the most of his opportunity to put himself in this spot? Um, I've said this repeatedly when asked about him. Um, he has an unflappable confidence in himself. Um, he's highly professional. He's always preparing and prepared. And I think that that provides the platform or the performances that you're, that you're seeing. Mike, you mentioned the elements in Baltimore. You guys may face some more in Buffalo on Sunday. How much does coming off a game with elements help going into this one? I don't know that it does. Uh, we'll deal with it when we get uh, to Buffalo. Uh, whatever conditions we deal with, they will be dealing with as well. And so from that perspective, it will be fair. Mike, I just want to go back to the Baltimore game. How heady, how smart, how instinctive was that play by Equal Bouquet on the kickoff to do <laughs> it, it? He did it, and I'm thankful that he did it. But those are procedural things that we work all the time. We'd have probably been hacked off had he not done it. To be quite honest with you, probably you get more attention when you don't do it. Uh, Gunner was in one of them circumstances earlier in the season, and we were probably hacked off that he didn't. Um, it's just, you know, procedural things that you go through in terms of preparedness that's professional. And I credit him for being professional, uh, but you guys act like he did a stupid human trick. Um, he was just a professional. <laughs> Mike, after that game, Mason um, mentioned he went up to George and said he was proud of him after knocking him out of touch and showing good sportsmanship. What have you seen? Who, who did you refer to? Mason went up to George Pickens after the game and said that, um, what have you seen out of George in such a short time span when it comes to his growth? I hadn't really been looking for it of late, if that's what you're referring to. Um, these are weighty moments. we got to play and play to win. Um, he's done that, um, and we need more of that from him this week. When teams want to take George out like last week, do you just accept that? It says other guys have to step up, or is there something you can do to help George? You know, um, we've dealt with that a lot over the years, having dynamic receivers. And when people make a commitment to minimize uh, someone in that way, it creates big-time opportunities for others, whether it's your yards per tote in the run game or one-on-one -on -one opportunities at other places. And I think both were evident throughout the game and probably would have been more evident if it wasn't for the weather circumstances. And so um, that's just football at this level. Um, we don't have any control over what others do. We have an opportunity to respond to it or anticipate it. Um, that's a tactic that's not new to us or new to him. Um, we're pretty comfortable uh, in dealing with it. Um, and really probably some of the growth in the run game can be attributed to it. Um, but that's the collective that is team. Um, People are going to load up to minimize our run game. It's going to create one-on-one -on -one opportunities uh, for receivers, for example. And so uh, the strength is in the collective. 
Um, we got to be balanced. Uh, we got to be capable of anticipating tactics that people might use and responding to tactics that people use, and we can and do do both. You talk a lot about Mason and his confidence and, and that kind of thing, but when you go 18 to 20 in a monsoon, I'm assuming you have to be throwing the ball well, not just confident in what you're doing. What do you see from his skill set that is shining through recently? He's making good decisions, um, but he's working hard from a preparation standpoint, and that preparedness is showing. Uh, there's a cumulative body of work to speak of, too. Um, you know, Mason's been here a long time. Um, and I think that's a component of it, and I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that component of it as well. Mike, you guys speaking on the growth of the run game. You guys seem to be getting your offensive tackles to the second level more consistently game after game. What goes into the work of guys like you know, the pulling guards, the tight ends that are, that, are, that are using wham blocks to create more opportunities like that but with different looks? It's just schematics. Um, you know, we got things that we do, obviously. Um, what we choose to highlight week in and week out is dependent on the matchup, whether it's the schematic component of the matchup or the personnel component of the matchup. And that's what we're doing on the front side of weeks like this. We're deciding what within our arsenal we choose to highlight based on those variables, and that's kind of the process for us. And, and so we've had some opportunity in recent weeks to do some of the things that you mentioned. Mike, what is it about Najee that he's able to come on as strong as he has in the last couple of weeks of the season? Um, you know, he's a big back. We value big backs here in Pittsburgh. Um, the attrition component that is the season, the weather component, um, is just teed up for guys with skill sets like his. Mike, back to Mason, how have you seen some of the guys on offense responding to what he's provided you guys offensively? You know, I'll let them speak to that. Um, I've got real tangible things to be concerned about, the strategic component of it. Um, I'll let them speak for themselves in that regard. Part of, of, of Mason, the, the early in the game of the third down, where the safeties of the Ravens seem to be focused on your interior receivers, and it seemed to be that was a similar look that led to the Deontay Johnson touchdown. What can you say about Mason's ability to adapt in game to what opponents have been doing to you guys? Precious football that happens each and every week through possession down play. Um, you build your plan off of things that have transpired earlier in possession down play, or what have you. Um, that's occurring on both sides. That's just football. Have you seen with the increased usage of Jalen that benefiting Najee later in the season these last couple of years? Um, you know, I don't know that it affects Najee at all, man. Najee has a mindset. Um, he's going to be ready to play for us. He wants to be a significant component of what we do. Um, he's been in circumstances where he's had crowded backfields before. He went to, he played running back at Alabama. And so I think you know, things that go on regarding Jalen and his usage and things of that nature has very little effect on Naj and his mindset and his readiness and preparedness and what he's willing and capable of doing for us. The long jam at safety is moving Patrick Peterson back to corner or something you're looking at and what goes into that decision? Um, that's an option. Um, it hadn't been an option in recent weeks, but it is an option this week. Uh, starters that will be playing in their first playoff game. Is there anything you do, to, or do or say differently to prepare them for the moment? No, man. You gotta, you gotta. It's gotta be a first time um, for everything, and so um, I'll be excited about doing it with them. Mike, roller coaster with you a lot of highs, a lot of lows. What does it say about this team as a collective group being able to get to this point? We're not worried about that, to be honest with you. We're we're worried about what we do at this point. Um, we're living it. Um, as opposed to writing it. And so um, I don't know that we spent a lot of time uh, reflecting in that way. 
I think uh, Mason's already up to three scoring plays over 60 yards. You talked about the decision-making component, about when to take those calculated chances. Um, what about the ball placement on some of those throws, too? How much has that led into the ability for catch and run for those guys, too? You know, we've talked about that as well. You know, he's got deep ball capabilities. It's an asset to his game. Um, and that was one of the reasons why we went to him. Um, and the last three weeks have just been evidence of some of the things that we've been talking about in here. Um, I don't know that the narrative changes at all. It's just confirmation of some of the things that we've been talking about. Mike, when you look at Josh Allen, top league in both touchdowns, but also interceptions, is there any like general formula to turn him over or help your chances in doing stuff? You know, I'm sure everybody works week in and week out um, in that vein. Um, but he's a competitor. Sometimes what is a blessing can be a curse. Um, but I'm sure that they don't mind managing that. Uh, because, as you mentioned, the positive components of it, um, I just got a lot of respect for him. Uh, we've competed against him a bunch. Um, we better we better be ready to play. Mike, how is he a different type of runner, say, than Lamar in terms of defending? Um, you know, they're different. They're different athletes. Um, they're similar in that both teams are willing to utilize schematics to highlight their talents. Design runs on third down, design runs from a quarterback perspective in the red area. Um, but they're their own men in terms of how they play the game, how they utilize their talents in an effort to win, how they utilize their talents in an effort to extend plays and create splash when there seemingly is none. Um, I hadn't spent a lot of time comparing them. I just spent a lot of time appreciating what he is and what we need to do to, to minimize him. Mike, what does Stephon Diggs do that you that, that Joey and Patrick and whoever's going to cover him going to have to focus on to limit him? He is an elite route runner. He's an elite route runner. Um, he is one of the best, if not the best. Um, I remember when he came into the league, I was just really shocked by the maturity of his route running. Uh, when I saw that Keenan McCardell coached him at the University of Maryland, it made sense because I worked with Keenan years ago, man. Keenan was an elite route runner. And uh, the spirit in which he approaches his craft is very similar. It's like I imagine that that's a, there's depth to that relationship. Um, got a lot of respect for him. Like, uh, Sim almost seems like a no-nonsense type of player. How do you, how beneficial do you think his personality has been to the team, to the unit, or has Again, I'll let the team speak for that. I appreciate his availability, his professionalism, his preparedness, and then ultimately his play. Um, he brings a, a no-nonsense, blue-collar approach, man, and um, when you're in my position, you value guys like that, you know you can count on them, and he's definitively been that. Mike, how do you balance infusing Minka and KZ back into the defense knowing that you guys went 3 0 with Rowe and Happy? Uh, Thoughtfully. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at Bat is your all in one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Done a lot of James Cook for them recently. How does the more usage for him and the running game in general change the dynamic for them on offense? You know, they're probably better equipped to answer that than myself. Uh, I'm just prepared for what they're capable of. Um, his talents are significant. 
Uh, he's a dangerous guy. I was at his pro day. Um, I'm not necessarily surprised by the things that I see from him. Um, it's in line with his skill set. Anyone else? My question on the depth chart, I know uh, Kenny Pickett still listed as the first quarterback there. Why aren't you ready to maybe commit to Mason at that spot whenever Mitch and Mason switched earlier this season? I'm sorry, what's your question again? Why isn't Mason listed as the first quarterback with Kenny Pickett? Would it make you feel better if I did? We're going about our business cultivating a plan to win this week. We care less about division of labor in terms of what's on pieces of paper and depth charts and so forth, and more strategically how we utilize uh, the tools at our disposal and the effort to, to, to secure victory. I've been transparent with you guys. Um, he's got the hot hand. He's going to maintain control of the ball. I don't know why that is a, an issue, to be quite honest with you. Anyone else? Ron, I didn't catch that question. It was a little garbled on the audio. Did you catch the question there? The last one? Something why? I didn't catch it. Why? I thought it was why, you know, basically, why don't you go back to Mason? He's your number one guy. Go back to Pickett, you mean? Pickett, yeah. Yeah. Um, Why in the depth chart, he's still number two, even though he's your starter. And I don't think Tomlin heard the question originally either. I, I, Can we hear that again? Sean, Sean, Sean don't call me Seth Myers. Sean has to go go back and find we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. One thing that jumps out at me, though, and I've said this for three weeks, he is very reluctant to praise Mason Rudolph. I was going to say the same very thing. Very reluctant. Every time, I, I, you know, I even ask him, I think it was after the Seattle game, well, he, he's very confident and it's real. I mean, he, he does not praise him the way he praised Pickett Earlier in the season, I was going to ask you that exact same Did thing. Did you you feel that way too? Absolutely. He's he's being very very Vanilla. careful not to over compliment Mason, and I don't think it's for a complicated reason. He doesn't want to uh, insult Kenny or alienate Kenny. I think. Do you? What would be I, I, the, what would know. be his reasoning? I, I, I don't know. I think that's the reason. Maybe it just—it seems so obvious. It, to it me. is very obvious. What, what do the other guys you know, think of of Mason? I'll let them answer yeah, that. Yeah, I mean the other guys are glowing about Mason, and to me, in that locker room, you can feel there's a different confidence with Mason than there was with Pickett. And why he won't say that, or say even give anything complimentary of Mason, uh, maybe that you know, I think he doesn't le- want to. He wants to set it up that he goes back to Pickett next year. I don't know. I think the last reporter there, I don't know who it was, uh, hit on the hot button topic there that Pickett is still number one on the depth chart. It's and a he great got very question, sensitive to it. Exactly, uh, oddly, which obviously. means it's the hot button topic. Would it make you feel better if I did? It must have been about the depth chart. Uh, before we get to that, the news e part of that was Minka sounds like he's in. And T.J. Watt definitively he declared ruled, out. He ruled him out, yeah. I, I mean, listening to that, T.J.'s going to play. And so, and, and not T.J., mean, uh, Menka. Yeah. And K.Z.'s going to play, too. Yeah, that's so, what I that heard. That was my takeaway. But, I, you know, he didn't even say we'll leave the light on for T.J. He's out. No lights on for him. Let's hear the question again, Sean. I know uh, Kenny Pickett still listed as the first quarterback there. Why aren't you ready to maybe commit to Mason at that spot whenever Mitch and Mason switched earlier this season? I'm sorry, what's your question again? Why isn't Mason listed as the first quarterback with Kenny Hill? Would it make you feel better if I did? We're
cultivating a plan to win this week. We care less about division of labor in terms of what's on pieces of paper and depth charts and so forth, and more strategically how we utilize uh, the tools at our disposal in the effort to, to, to secure victory. I've been transparent with you guys. Um, he's got the hot hand. He's going to maintain control of the ball. I don't know why that is a... That's a... Uh... He, he's very sensitive to that subject. Yeah, well. I mean, like, well, he's our number one guy, but not this week. We're going to go with the hot hand. Yeah. That's I mean, what I read, heard. The idea of not knowing why it's a big deal that he's benched the alleged face of the franchise in the first round pick for Mason Rudolph. I mean, he knows, right? He knows it's a big deal and a bit of a talking point. He's been which, which is long what, enough to know that. Which Absolutely. is what we opened the show kind of with, was this is more than just a playoff game. The, 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 the stakes are high enough in any playoff game. This might be a referendum on who quarterbacks the Steelers next year. And, and I mean that in a variety of ways. If Mason Rudolph is great again and leads them to a win and then goes on and wins another, whatever, every time he's great now in this kind of environment, or even good, he gives himself a chance to be the guy here. That's undeniable. No doubt. Whether we think Tomlin would do it or not. And if he stinks, then that's another story. And if he's if he's really good again, it also gives him maybe more of a chance to go to another team and possibly be a starter. Like that's what this kind of environment does. Forget about what a guy does against, you know, the Ravens, half of the Ravens and things like that. Guys have those. You do it in the playoffs? Look what happened with Nick Foles the year he won a Super Bowl. He became a big money guy. Stuff changes fast in the NFL. It didn't very well for him, though, for no. the team that signed him, right? No, but the no, point, I, the point I, is I, things change fast in the NFL. Your, your point is very much accurate. Um, I just I mentioned this to Dulac and Ray before the game Saturday, after the game. He just does not want to give Kenny give Mason Rudolph any credit. Well, I think— He doesn't want to give him— too much credit. I think that, that story extends to the players. If you if you read and hear and talk to the beat writers, uh, some of them will say and have said that unless prompted, the players are like that too. And I think that may be out of respect for Kenny, out of out of caretaking Kenny's feelings, things right. like that. I think that's a real thing that's happening. I do. I saw one of those guys after the game said, so we rally around Mason, you know. Yeah. Whether they say it or not, Joe, you can just kind of feel it. Sure. That's, that's I mean, everything changed, right? My, everything changed. I don't think anyone is looking in that locker room, oh, man, when are they going to bring Kenny back, right? But, I don't, but I don't the, feel that way now. Right. I mean, he could. Tomlin could have been asked many more questions, like, you know, I'm sure Kenny's on the ready here for this game. Sure. Will, will you have hesitations about going to him if needed, things like that? He could have, obviously this is a this is the story, this is the story, and he knows that. He's benched Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph's playing great, and everything's changing. So far, it's a nice, happy, good story. You know what it means for the future. It, it, well, that's it, what he said. I'm we're worried about winning this game, right. not looking beyond. That. Right, but we all know that this is a referendum on Mason Rudolph it right is. here, right now. It is, and might be on Pickett. Who knows if he gets in the game? Meanwhile, we have gigantic injuries on the Bills' side. I'm going to tell you about that coming up, and we can rehash a little bit more. We'll replay what Tomlin said about uh, Mason and other things. I how, don't... About, how about his, 
you know, the Northwestern kid, how do you pronounce it? it, it the guy that jumped on the kickoff out of bounds. Igwebike? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. But how about, you guys act like he did a stupid human <laughs> trick. I've never. He did, actually. <laughs> he did. Because he was trained to do that. He did. And then he even brought back our friend Gunner. He said Gunner didn't do that early he, in the year. He yeah. said that? Oh, yeah. I didn't he hear said, that. He said Gunner didn't do it, and we were hacked off that he didn't. Oh, my God. Gunner made it into this thing Gunner today. Gunner made it into this thing, and he, and he said— I must have blacked he, out he said at he, that point. He was trained to do this. We're prepared. We school him. And he said, you guys act like it's a stupid human trick. It was a great line. It was a gr- I laughed out loud. It was a good line. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. There's an injury on the other side that we're flat out not talking about enough with the Bills. It is it is highly significant whether this guy plays or not. Let's get into that and more of what Tomlin said and didn't say about Mason Rudolph coming up next on Cook and Joe. Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week, brought to you by the Baseball Card Castle in Cranberry. Contests run every Wednesday through Friday at noon at the 937thefan.com contesting page. Joe, I have a message for the people. I want to talk about Mr. Rooter Plumbing, Pittsburgh's best plumbing company. I've been saying it for, I, I, man, it's been almost three years now. I've been saying it. Bob Beal has built a plumbing company empire. Let me tell you how he got started. He learned the business from his father back in the 1960s, who said, son, you treat people the right way, do a good job, charge a reasonable fee, and you're going to have a long, successful career. And that's the way it's worked for Bob Beal and Mr. Rooter Plumbing. Going on 21 years in this market now, getting bigger, better every every single day. 50 trucks out on the road every day. You can't help but see one going to somebody's home to fix a backed-up sewer, maybe to somebody's business to fix a broken water heater. Nobody does it better than Mr. Rooter Plumbing. Write down the number so you have it handy, 412-Rooter2, 412-Rooter2. You don't want to be looking for a number when you have a uh, plumbing emergency. And, and let's face it, in this weather, Pipes freeze, break, you know what the deal is. 412-Rooter2, the only number to call. Check out the website, MrRooterPittsburgh.com. I can say this without hesitation, Pittsburgh's number one full-service plumbing company, Mr. Rooter Plumbing. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.